Howdy, folks. It's been a long time. How y'all doing? It really, we are the big really dudes. Has. It's been too long. We're the big dudes in the trenches. Uh, well, at least two of us here today. Tug is unavailable at the moment for basically the same reason that we haven't been on the show in a while. Uh, work stuff happens, and it just. You know, it sometimes sometimes Uncle Sam disagrees with our podcast schedule, but that's okay. <laughs> we are back. You know, we have something uh, to talk about. Yeah, it's just uh just the price of doing business. Uh as a uh, you know two thirds of us being in the active duty military right now. Makes things a little difficult sometimes. It is, uh, unfortunate. But uh, as the title of the show suggests, we are talking about the 42nd Italian Bowl, which is crazy to me that that is a thing that existed uh, and the thing that I was able to go to. And neither of you were able to go, so it's going to be mostly me talking. But hey, if you have any questions, feel free to chime in. And if you have any, you know, anywhere you can add information, because I know you actually do keep up with ELF a little bit. So you're kind of familiar with some of the structure here. So I think it'll it actually, it's we're going to be really great having you on for this. Right. And the other thing too, like I never, I have yet to publish this article. I don't know if I will or when I will. I, I think it'd probably, probably be good to work on it a little bit more and get it ready for next year because the title of it's American football in the Olympics and the IFL along with a couple other leagues like the Mexican, the LFL, I believe is the acronym for it. The ELF, as you already mentioned, there's a lot of international football out there that a lot of people just don't know about. And maybe, maybe you don't have America play in it and you just award silver and bronze. Like don't give out a gold medal, at the Olympics for this sport. Maybe that's the solution. Uh, <laughs> I would be interested to see if uh, if in, I don't know, 10 or eight, you know, 40 years from now, if maybe we're seeing football introduced officially into the Olympics. Uh, I know what they're already talking about a flag football uh, event when it comes back to the states in eight years, I believe, or the next time it's in the states. I've heard rumblings about it, maybe. I might be making that up. I think more likely we very well could see flag football introduced in the Olympics. It feels like that's a lot more accessible and a lot more countries are involved in that. And actually the Italian American football federation uh, does sponsor flag football as well. So that's something that I was able to learn through all this. There are five divisions of Italian football and Three of them are tackle, two of them are flag. So football's actually pretty popular in Italy. Kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I, and I think that's the big. That's kind of what I'm I'm bringing up here too. Is like I think a football is a lot more popular than people realize internationally. Um, mm-hmm. I repeatedly, whenever we have an international series, you know, home fans gripe. American fans grab like, why are we sending the game overseas? But other leagues do this too. The Premier League sends a couple teams over here to have a couple games a year uh, in the States, which if you don't follow soccer, you would never know. 
but at the same time, you know, every time there's a baseball game, a football game, uh, a basketball game that ends up overseas, it's sold out and the crowds are insane. So right. I, I am curious to see what the future of international football is. Um, I'm going to let you speak on your experiences at the game, but some of the videos and shots you were sending, like, do I think these teams are amazing? No, I, I think the worst, I think the Orlando Guardians could beat both of those teams with their backups in, with Paxton Lynch starting at quarterback, <laughs> right? But, but the game is growing and that's ultimately, uh, you know, what we want. So, it's probably true. That's the sad part. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> I do want to talk about the organization of the IFL for just a second. Kind of give some context around what this game is. So the the game we're talking about, the Italian Bowl, is basically the championship game for the Italian Football League, which consists of nine teams um and here is a little bit about that the the teams on the bottom there are everybody else top two there the parma panthers and the florence gelfi gelfs um they're they're the dominant teams in the league and have been for a little while here uh interesting to me the Milan Seaman used to be in the IFL, basically ran the league for several years, so much so they promoted to the ELF. So that's kind of cool. They're now playing with teams from Germany, from, I mean, all over the place. There, there are a lot of football teams in Europe, actually, and it's becoming pretty popular. I was looking at some FCS coaching changes. There was a guy who used to coach in the Scandinavian Football League, which also sent a team to the ELF at one point. Like, there is actually a pretty big structure for American football here. The IFL, the Italian Football League, is the premier division, Division One of American football in Italy, though. And all of these teams have a little bit of a interesting restriction. Uh, they're only allowed a certain number of American players on the roster. It is mostly Italian players, which I think is really cool. I, I think, yeah, and I mean, people people have complained about that with the Canadian Football League, where they have the Canadian player rule. You have to have so many players that are Canadian born on your team. And that it limits the league. I think for this, it helps grow the league, right? Because you've right. got guys that have grown up playing football and dreamed of going to the NFL. Not that there aren't Italians that haven't done that, just that it's never happened. Yeah. And you could tell who the Americans were. I won't, won't lie. Um, also, they do kind of make it obvious. They have a big a on the back of their helmets like you there you, you can tell <laughs> uh, but yeah some of the coaching staff was american as well that's pretty uncommon but not not unheard of um and one name you will recognize <clears throat> if you're in the college football fandom as we are 
uh, the head coach of Florence is Art Bryles. Uh, that's that's a thing that's true. <laughs> the head coach of the Parma Panthers. And he's just Italian enjoying ball. living in Florence uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> did so, it? Did it just show how differently coached those team, two teams were? I feel like that had to be just blatantly apparent. Like throw talent out the window, you could just tell. I disagree. Actually, I think. I think Art Browse got out coached in this game by a lot. <laughs> wow. So, Guess yeah. that's why he's coaching in Italy. There are multiple Too much Vino before the game. Italy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, their their championship game was held in scenic Toledo, Ohio. Uh, of course, the natural question there is why in the world would they do that? Um, <laughs> the, the only legitimate straight answer that I got when I asked people about that, uh, is a clip of the mayor of Toledo saying, well, why not Toledo? Okay. That <laughs> that's, I love that much. actually. That's okay. perfect. I don't, <laughs> I don't need any other answers. That's all I want. Why not? <laughs> My actual theory on that, and I think there's a pretty strong case for this, uh, you know, professional football was essentially invented in Canton, Ohio, which is where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is. But they couldn't play the game in Canton because the USFL already booked that stadium. So they settled for anywhere else in the state of Ohio. Could you <laughs> have imagined for a second, like, you know, go into imagination land for a second, back-to-back -back days of championship football games? And the the first day, full full blown Italian. Just have a whole fucking Italian fest there. Spaghetti, pizza, meatballs, all of it. The next day, red, white, and blue barbecue and Fourth of July fireworks. Just the absolute juxtaposition of those two. See, I definitely can imagine that because I actually did them both on the same day. But we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> we're just talking about the Italian bowl. No, <laughs> no, I don't think uh, I don't think a city can support two championship games back to back like that. It's really kind of difficult, actually. And the city of Toledo showed up, which we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, it was it was actually really cool to see. So there is a pretty big immigrant presence all across northern Ohio. The countries from which northern ohioans come from are, is pretty varied across all of europe but they are pretty distinct regionally as well so there is a pretty big section of germans uh, there's a pretty big section of polish immigrants there's a pretty big section of italian immigrants most of them are in northwest ohio closer to toledo and you know, the owner of Marco's Pizza is in Toledo. He was the presenting sponsor of this game. Uh, they, I do love some fucking Marco's Pizza. It's honestly the best chain pizza there is. I It's greasy they, as all hell. Like, you will shit your pants. Well, that's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. I think they're a sister city with somebody... 
kind of close to Parma in Italy, which probably helped their case as well since Parma was in the championship game. I don't know. It's a it's a combination of things, but I, I think the biggest thing was it's in Ohio, and so is the Hall of Fame, and this is where pro football started. And the mayor, why not? Why not Toledo? Why not Toledo? And you know what? It was it was really fun. But this was a championship game. It's worth talking about how these teams got here. Uh, this is hilarious to me. The League leaders in team stats and individual stats, uh, about 80% of all categories went to these two teams. (laughs) The leaders in offense for total offense, scoring offense, rushing offense, not passing yardage, but passing efficiency, which is interesting to me. So the most touchdowns and yards per attempt as opposed to just pure yardage. Uh, first downs, I think third down conversions, fourth down conversions, red zone conversions, it's all Florence. Every single one of these stats is led by the Florence Gelfs. On the defensive side of the ball, total defense, scoring defense, rushing defense, passing efficiency defense. Again, they let up a little bit more yards than some other teams, but they didn't allow many passing touchdowns and the yards per attempt was way lower than anybody else. First downs allowed, fourth down conversions allowed, red zone percentage allowed. It was all Parma. Like, every category. (laughs) First of all, defense wins championships. Right. Second of all, while I'm not a fan of sabermetrics, I feel like these are good sabermetrics to bring into football. Yeah, it's... It's kind of incredible. Uh, Also, it's interesting to look at the individual stat leaders. So scoring was broken up into kickers and non-kickers, which I really appreciate because in the NFL, every scoring title goes to some field goal kicker. Uh, But non-kicker. Robbie Bears leading scorer. Right. Non-place kicker scoring leader was Jared Grubino of Florence. Um I don't know if he qualifies as a quarterback or a running back. I think more of a quarterback, but he ran quite a bit as well. Um, Rushing and passing and receiving and kick returns. This uh, Ryan Maniti of the Parma Panthers, he led multiple of those categories by himself. And so, of course, he's the all-purpose yards leader. Sacks, this defensive end, from Florence. Also, number two was from Parma. Number three was from Parma. And number four was also from Florence in, <laughs> in sacks across the league. Tackles for loss, a guy from Parma. Uh, it's, it's, I, I feel like we only see one. I, I feel like Alexis Ramos is the only American on this list, though. Am I am I wrong in assuming that? Or all three on this individual awards winners list. Uh, Alexis Ramos and Jared Garbino are both Americans, but that's it. Jared Garbino went to Dartmouth, uh, and Alexis Ramos went to Southeastern Louisiana and was a three-time all-conference player down there. And this was his rookie season in the IFL, led the league in tackles for loss, and we will talk about him again (laughs) in this episode. 
Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like Ramos. Like I feel like I recognize that name uh, from the one <laughs> Southeast Louisiana game that I've watched in the past two years. That's a different story. But it is. It's awesome that two of the leader league leaders and in important individual stats are Italian. Right. I yeah. thought that was pretty awesome as well. And if you'll notice, there's one picture here that's significantly worse than the rest. That's because I'm the one who took it. The guy who's really far away <laughs> on the screen there. That was me on the sidelines trying to take that picture. Yeah. I'll, all I have is my phone. I don't have a camera. <laughs> But also, it was the we best picture I could find. There is, are no good pictures of him online anywhere. So, it's what we have. <laughs> uh, but also, I think it's worth talking about how I got there. Because, I mean, this is a really weird event. <laughs> Not something that we would normally cover. We don't usually talk about international football that much. Um, I found out about this game through the Seikos Committee which if you're not following them on Twitter, it's completely worth it. They mentioned it one time, and I was like, that's in Toledo. That's within driving distance. I should totally look into going to that. And so I bought a ticket and then had the idea, we, we talk about football. Why not apply for a media credential? And so I went as a member of the press <laughs> and was on the field taking pictures. I was up at the press box again, taking pictures. Uh, I will say a solid three quarters of the press box were speaking Italian and I didn't understand them at all. I think that's awesome. <laughs> they also handed me stat sheets after every quarter, which was really cool. And I, I appreciate that so much because I was totally unprepared to be in the press box for this. <laughs> this is a... not to not to you know poo-poo the Italian bowl or the IFL. It's it's a good uh, good game to go to and be underprepared for our first uh, first trip into media experiences at games. I would say that is a fair assessment but also i wish i would have at least brought my laptop or something because i just looked like a bum just sitting there <laughs> could have, you could have bought you could have gone and bought one of those little you know notepads and just start scribbling something or yeah i thought about running to the bookstore but by the time i thought about doing that it was like 10 minutes to kick off and the bookstore was a seven minute walk so i just didn't risk it but i i was about to go to the campus bookstore and just get some equipment real quick and act like I belonged. <laughs> now we know for next time. Yes, we do. And I will, I will be much better prepared, but it was totally worth it. It was an incredible time uh, in part because the city of Toledo just loved it. They were really involved and that was so cool. Like outside the stadium before the game started, there was a whole festival of food trucks of you hadn't this. sent this picture to me yet <laughs> <laughs> the uh there was a there was a whole like small business market out in this field where everybody was setting up tents it was a it was like a fair basically and probably 12,000 people were in attendance 
I know this one picture, you know, it looks like the stands are pretty empty. That was a, he picked an empty section intentionally so he could be right next to the field and screaming, but it was, it was actually pretty full. I was, I was impressed at how many people cared enough to come to this kind of a thing. And it was really fun as well because there were so many Italian people in attendance, really obviously, because we sang the American national anthem and the Italian national anthem before kickoff and the speakers cut out during both of them. It almost feels like a cliche at this point when that happens because it happens so many times at sporting events now, but everybody filled in for the sound system on the American national anthem. And then everybody was ready the next time. And so it cut out again in the Italian national anthem and everybody was singing along with that one as well. And I didn't know what was happening. I do not know the Italian national anthem. I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, winners, winners replace the ball in Italian. That's <laughs> that's awesome. And so, yeah, I was on the sideline for most of this game. I was up in the press box for probably the first half, and then I came down to the sideline because, oh my gosh, this was actually a really good game, and I got to be right in the middle of the action. This is my favorite picture of what I was able to take. But, yeah, I was right there. That is – that's legitimately how close I was. Um, It's – it was really fun to watch this game. I don't think it was to the level of, like, an FBS game. You know, if if we're going to see – I would fully expect Alabama and Georgia to whoop these guys. At the same time, obvious obvious passion for the game and just really a really fun environment. I will say the defense wins championships felt very true, especially when Florence turned the ball over three times. And they felt like they 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 only had two really good drives, and those really good drives did end in touchdowns, but also it was only two really good drives. So it was it was a fantastic game for Parma. They did everything anyone could ever expect of them. And I don't have a video of this or else I would have put this in the slides. The reason I don't have a video of this play that I'm about to talk about is it was supposed to be an extra point. Who cares? about filming an extra point. I, I feel like I've seen this video, though. I'm not even going to lie to you. Let me see if I can find it real quick. There was a bad snap. Because I, I know what you're talking point. about. <laughs> it went over the holder's head. Florence had just scored a touchdown. They were trying to make it close. It was like now it's a two-possession game. We're right back in this thing. We still have some time on the clock. Then they go for the extra point. The snap is over the holder's head. It just rolls for 50 yards. Nobody can catch up to the ball. The kicker tries to grab it. Obviously messes up because he's a fucking kicker. And so <laughs> the ball keeps going another like 10 yards. Parma kind of feels like they could get all of this, but I think they kind of help it along and keep it rolling. Hey, it wasn't called. It's not illegal. 
<laughs> the ball keeps going until it's about five yards out of the end zone. Parma finally picks it up, runs it in. Two points for Parma. It is 29-13 to 13 is your final score after that play. <laughs> because Parma got two points on Florence's point after try. That was incredible. I've hey, never seen that in person we, before. We got we got it here. Beautiful. Point game. <laughs> We're not gonna get any sound, but uh, this is. And that ball is still loose. I, I felt Kicker's bad watching this. I was like, still I've there. Seen, I feel like we saw a college scene. Dude, oh, you can't really be serious with this. Tennis Billkery, my word. Every time the Guelphie were able to take a couple steps forward, they get pushed backward. And here's, you know, you get six points. Those dudes look so bummed right now. You just. There were some legitimate Florence fans, and they were not having a great time. Oh, man. That was the craziest play I've seen in my life. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I've never seen that in person before. <laughs> and I don't I've feel bad about things sharing, like that, sharing that because <laughs> I don't feel bad sharing that because the Italian Bull Twitter literally put that one out. So, right. Uh... <laughs> but after the game, uh, MVP did go to Alexis Ramos who, yeah, he's one of the only Americans on the team, but also he's Mexican heritage, so he rocked the Mexican flag, which looks very similar to the Italian flag, if you know your flags. Uh, heard a couple of guys come up to him like, bro, that's that's the wrong flag. What's the eagle doing there? <laughs> but, yeah, he played a fantastic game. 15 total tackles half a sack, and a forced fumble. Guy was all over the Poor place. Poor guy only got half a sack. I know. It's brutal. They had to give him an award. Make up for it. Uh, but also there to present the award was Megatron himself. And this, I think, goes to support my theory. They were planning on having this game in Canton. They visited the Hall of Fame. Both teams did on Wednesday. And then Megatron comes out to present the MVP award. I would I would be curious if they can't work something out with the Hall of Fame and the USFL in the future though. Like I, I not that Toledo I mean not that Toledo's a bad host. I I, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm just going to completely shit on Toledo here, but why yeah, Toledo? why Toledo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I mean, it's there. There's got to be. There's got to be some way to 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 figure this out instead. I guess. I mean, either way, I, think, I feel like it. I think glass at the at the hall. I think the glass bowl was a really awesome venue for this. You know, the University of Toledo was a fantastic host. The city of Toledo really did show up and support, and it felt like just a it felt like a fun family weekend with a football game in the middle of it, which is probably my favorite kind of fun family weekend. I'm on board for that. 
and I didn't even talk and, about. It. So I paid. I paid for a ticket, and I had media credentials. So I paid for the level of ticket that got me access to the Italian buffet, which was completely worth it. It was fantastic. <laughs> I got like seven different kinds, which of pasta. I believe we. <laughs> yeah, we dubbed the spaghetti sweet. Yeah. Honestly, I gotta ask. Did, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. The meatballs were pretty mid. <sighs> Did they true. have any of the uh, any of the squid ink pasta? No, they did not. Did they have any it of those? It was mostly it's mostly rigatoni dishes, which I'm okay with because I like rigatoni. You know, pasta salad, different stuffings of cheese and sauce in the pasta i don't know it's all great is, is pasta salad really an italian thing i feel like that's a very americanized uh dish we make here i'm, I'm having my whole world changed it counts why not it counts it's got italian <laughs> dressing in it <laughs> some uh tomato chunks that's that's really all it was. It wasn't Olives. like a it wasn't a five star dining experience, but it was it was a taste of some things that may or may not have come from Italy. That's <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but the Parma Panthers are your champions of the Italian football league. The forty second Italian Bowl goes to Parma. Uh, holding up the trophy there is one of their defensive leaders all season. He's been with the team for a very long time, and I'm forgetting his name at the moment, which I feel very bad about. Uh, Vanny Belli, which is totally not how you pronounce that because it's very Italian, but it's that's, that's what you get. This is an American show, baby. <laughs> V-A-N-N-I-B-E-L-L-I, if you want to take a shot at that. <laughs> but yeah, that's the, the president of the Italian Football Federation presenting the new and improved trophy. It used to look very different oh, than that. Man. But it's I, I don't I like the concept. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like the concept. I feel like it's just a little too small because I feel like even the the crystal yeah. ball uh, trophy is a little bit bigger than that. Like, there's no way you could palm the crystal the crystal trophy, but yeah, that one. I know a little uh, bit bigger would be yeah. cool. I do. I love the colors though. It feels right. Yes. Yes. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Honestly, he has a huddle that... profile. <laughs> uh, but put that trophy on the same stand that they had the last one on and i think it'd be like perfect instead of just this like plaque i think that's fair yeah that's yeah that definitely that takes away from it for me honestly Uh, but but with having media credentials yet again this is my picture i was right in the middle of the action so very exciting i love that awesome you were you were very close Yes, I was right I'm jealous there. now. I'm very jealous. <laughs> uh, this is the 
the head coach jumping up into the stands. He's in the black T-shirt, black shorts. Wouldn't know he's the head coach just by looking at him. Basically, uh, salt oh, and pepper cool. afro going on. <laughs> I think awesome. that's his family was in the front row here uh, with the with the Parma Panthers flag hanging down off the side. And, yeah, he leaped up into the crowd. <laughs> love to see it. And something else I really love to see, pure sportsmanship, the love of the game. Uh, this was an old-school shake-everybody's-hand lineup across the entire field of every single player, every member of the staff on both sides literally walked across the field, shook everybody's hands. And that's something that, you know, obviously we used to do in youth football leagues. Uh, feels like that doesn't even happen once you get up to junior varsity. That's the only the only professional sports league in America that does this, and they only do it in the playoffs, is hockey. Right. So it's – Right. I, I feel like the NFL absolutely could take a, uh, a note from the book, you know, from uh, the IFL's playbook here. I know it's actually kind of sad anymore. It feels like the coaches don't even really talk to each other anymore in the NFL. There's no, there's none of that conversation, none of that sportsmanship. Don't and I, I don't, I don't want to derail it. It's because it's, and college is the same way. It's become such a media circus when they meet up at center field before you know before they run off to the locker room. Like, yeah, don't it feels start. so. This is beautiful, artificial. But yeah, this was this was real, and I, I love to see it. Actually, actually thought this that was really cool. Um, but yeah, that's basically my experience of the Italian Bowl. I know I didn't talk about the game a whole lot, but I feel like I wasn't even really there for the game part of it. It was just the vibe, the experience, and the vibe delivered. It was a great time. I- <laughs> I'm curious if this will kind of become a uh, standard thing because the season concluded a while ago, though, right? Like this was not, you know, a two-week layover. This was months after the conclusion of the season before I came and played this championship, right? No. No, this was pretty soon after the season ended. Huh. I don't know what you're Why referring I think to. It was- uh, maybe it's just because we knew it was going to be in Toledo so long ago. I'm not sure. That makes me feel better then. That makes me feel a lot better because I was legitimately concerned about that. I was like, man, this is kind of crazy. They're going to have this game so much later after the season. That's significant. You know, when I first better. found out about I guess it, the they, Italian had, summers they aren't keep, near as brutal. They kept the standings on the website all throughout the season. And so when I first found out about the game, when I was first buying tickets for it, the teams were like 2-0. and Like – it was it was the season that just started when I learned this game was going to happen in Toledo. So nice. No, I think it was uh, it was really it was actually a pretty awesome showcase of just how much of American football is growing. And I know we've kind of talked about that already, especially at the beginning of this show. So many countries are doing American football now, but to see that level of passion out of People have been playing this game for 20 years, 30 years. Italian people playing American football for that long. 
Like there were some old dudes. There were some Tom Brady age motherfuckers on the sideline playing this game. And they still had love of the game. And that was really awesome to see. I I wonder if this isn't the the blueprint for growth uh, for not just for these leagues, but for the game. You know, any any international, the ELF, for example, like get some games in the states, get some American fans involved. And because I'm not saying like, this is this is a horrible horrible comparison to make. Okay, but F1 already wildly popular. You start tapping into the American market. Like they have been, I think Netflix really kicked it off, and then bringing race Grand Prix back to the states. They've got three in now the U.S. Three. this year, four. Yeah, yeah, they're at three. Vegas, uh, they got uh, Circuit of the Americas, and what's the uh, you know I can't remember the third one. Vegas, Austin, uh, and Miami, and then it is okay. Miami, they already make a shit ton of money. Now they have three races here and an American driver. They're just printing money. They're printing American dollars at this point. The Italian, you know, the IFL obviously does not have the fan base of F1. The ELF does not have the fan base of F1. However, you get American players, you get big names, you bring the game back to the States and start getting the American dollar into your league. Maybe that's the way to help grow your league and help grow the game even more. Yeah, I think it's that's a consideration. I think it's important to be as established as the IFL is, though, before you start doing that. Like, this is the 42nd Italian Bowl. You can't really start taking this into America if you've only been doing it for 10 years. It feels like you're just pushing yourself into America before you're really ready for it. Like, I would completely understand if Japan started playing some football games here and trying to bring attention to that, they've been playing American football for a long ass time. Actually, like people, people don't even realize. And we used to play a lot of games in Japan uh, in the eighties and nineties. And if we could bring some of that cross promotion back, that would make a lot of sense. But like, if, I don't know, if Germany started playing American football over here, right after the NFL brought American football to Germany, you know, in a bigger, big way that might feel a little bit cheap. I totally get what you're saying though. Like there is an element of, if you need, if if you're trying to get American football to succeed in your country, you do somewhat still need American support as weird as that might sound like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like I I know it's, I know it's here. Is has as any shot of succeeding unless you know the people who grew up with soccer and the people who have a culture of soccer really start supporting it. It's like you I, need I think people there are, who grew up in American football. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I think I there are like a I'm fair amount of things. <laughs> I well, I think there are a fair amount of things when you switch the conversation over to soccer that have helped the MLS getting a bigger following in general has helped the growth of soccer but it's the same thing the premier league coming over here and having a couple games absolutely has helped the growth of soccer the success of the women's national team has helped the growth of soccer which is why you know bringing this full circle to what i was talking about at the beginning we need to start having some type of international competition the problem is 
you've I, I don't know if you've seen it, but I love watching the All American games, the high school All American games, where they're playing the international teams. Now the freshman team ends up playing the varsity from Italy, Germany, whatever, right. and beating the absolute dog shit out of them because it's all these kids from Texas who have been playing since they could walk, basically. Right. But at the same time, you know that games those games are played at Jerry World. They're played at the premier stadium in the United States. Right. You start getting more hype around it and start having more of these international competitions. It's good for the game. And I, I, I do think we're trending in that direction. But at the same time, I mean, the X League, the Japan uh, championships have been going on for damn near 100 years at this point already. Or they've had a they've had 100 championships. I don't know if it's been a yearly thing. I don't I haven't done a super uh, big amount of research into how often they're having this championship because it seems unreal that they've had 100 of them. Uh, but they would still get stomped probably by high school freshmen. They just don't. Right. That that's that's the gap that has to be bridged here still. <laughs> yeah, but I will say that gap was bridged with basketball already, right? I mean, we have the U.S. hasn't that's won true. every gold medal in basketball. Thank you to the Dream Team at this point. I know. Um, I basketball is a lot cheaper to get into than football with all the equipment involved and all the space involved. Um, I think there is an element of, I think that's a big part of why I was saying at the beginning, maybe it's, maybe it should be flag football that gets big initially just because that's so. so much more accessible. That's you, you've got the rugby world cup, but the Olympic game is sevens for a reason. Right. Well, right, and rugby and American football, even flag football, are very different. I mean, that's right. It is an extremely different sport. Um, I don't know. I, I, part of it too. So it was it was awesome to see the Italian league here essentially play NCAA rules which felt natural and I could follow the game. One foot in was a catch and we're following that kind of timekeeping system. It made intuitive sense to me, but then you get to Australian football, Canadian football. Everybody does it a little bit differently too. Australian football is a completely different sport. (laughs) I know. Canadian football, Canadian football is at least close enough, even with the three downs and everything. Like it's at least close enough. Australian football. I would need Jake to just, I would have to watch a game with Jake (laughs) to ever fully understand what was going on. (laughs) I mean, that's true. Um, But I think that's important too. There needs to be some kind of, that's part of what the international level competition would do for the sport is bring a standardized rule set across the board. And, bring attention to other countries and being involved in this. I mean, again, to take it back to basketball, there are so many countries that field a team now in Olympic basketball where we've got Olympic three on three basketball now too. Basketball was invented after football was, and they're both invented here in, in the United States. So there is a pathway to it. It's just, 
I mean, football is football's tough. Football is a, a tough sport to get in, get in love with if you've never been introduced to it before. From the outside looking in, you already have mm. other sports, I guess. In Europe, you have you already have soccer, where that's what you grew up watching, and so to switch to American football is probably a a big leap for most folks. But again, what you're saying it takes it takes just a couple of generations of having international competition and having that awareness across the world. You really can develop. You know, people start watching football when they're five, six years old, like I did uh, out in Europe, once they figure out that European American football really does exist. Yeah, I, I think I think we can get there. I think it'll happen in our lifetimes, which is not something I would have said 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. This event made me a lot more hopeful, though. That's for sure. That's good. I think it's. Awesome. I think it's real. American football will live forever. <laughs> Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Oh, the Italian Bowl was awesome. With uh, that, though. Yeah. And that's that's With really that, all though, I got. I have I have way more pictures. Honestly, the best way to see more pictures of the Italian Bowl is to either go on Twitter and look at the Italian Bulls account or join our discord where I posted a whole bunch more pictures and you should be able to see some of those where again, I was right on the sideline and there's some good goal line shots and stuff. And it was all with my phone. It's not the greatest quality. Probably don't want to zoom in, but at the same time, <laughs> just as they are, they look pretty dang good. <laughs> So hit up the Discord. That there. link will be in the description of this podcast. Uh, links to our other social medias will be there as well. Uh, if you have been listening, thank you so much for tuning in. The Italian Bowl was a very unique event. It was worth dedicating a whole show to. So we'll be back in the near future with some other football content. Uh, something maybe that happened the same day. Maybe. Maybe that's a hint. Maybe you'll find out Thursday. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. We will. Maybe Doug back. took, but maybe Doug took the craziest road trip ever. Uh, that is, over that is possible. Fourth of July weekend. Maybe theoretically, you're wearing a hat that's related to what happened. <laughs> so that's only going to help you out if you are watching and not an audio listener. So if you're an audio hey. listener, you're missing out. So with that. Hey. Make sure next time you're trying to check out the show that you join us at twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches or catch it later on YouTube at youtube.com backslash big dudes in the trenches. That is all one word for both of those URLs. If you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com backslash BDT football. You can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, BDT football. Uh, after the backslash for all of those except Instagram, throw an underscore there. should be obvious where it goes. You can head on over to bdtfootball.com. Website's still a bit in uh, repair and rebuild mode right now. However, we're we're working it. We're getting it there. Exist. We're getting there. And <laughs> it does exist. And our, uh, our mail system has been completely overhauled there. So you can still email us any questions or information 
loving comments, hateful comments. We'll read them all at mailbox at bdtfootball.com. And as Doug mentioned, uh, we do have the Discord as well. I'm not going to... St- I'm not going to say the link. We'll post it. I will uh, say, though, we'll too, post it in the description. you don't have to put these links in the podcast description, but I think it's worth shouting out. You just said our, our email system has been overhauled. If you want to ask me a specific question or bug a specific question or even tell who's not here today, you can now do so. Doug at BDTfootball.com. Bug at BDTfootball.com. We have changed the way we do emails. So if you want to get all of one of us in particular, you can do so now, which is kind of cool. We've, we've overhauled things for the better. That's for sure. Doug ways to go on the website, but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We're working it. We, Rome wasn't built in a day. See what I did there? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, you got anything to add? We doing Tug's thing before we get out of here? It's been a while. It's been a while. I almost feel like we should. I feel like if Tug wants his thing done, he ought to get that finished, take so care of while he's in Vegas because I ain't doing that for him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's enough said about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will see you all next week. Peace out, Girl Scout, as we always do when Doug's not here. We'll see you Thursday.